Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Technology Uncorked. My name is Jeff Quattromani, and this show is brought to you by Navman. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we've been talking about the MyView Alta for a few weeks now, and I can tell you that this is the kind of thing that most people are going to want to put in their cars. And I'm not dissing previous Navman dash cams or any other dash cam that's on the market, but the form factor that they've taken with this new dash cam really is discreet. It really is that invisible panty line that people would look for when it comes to dash cams to put it into perspective. It really is that kind of dash cam that you can install in your car, put it right next to your rear vision mirror on the window, and it will look like it's part of the car. And for you, you'll probably forget it's even there. It will just be operating whenever you're driving, whenever your car is parked, if it's set up that way. And you'll obviously then have the footage available via Wi-Fi on your smartphone at any point in time. You open up the app, you can look at the footage and you can see exactly what happened and prove that to the other driver, the police, whoever it is, your husband, your wife. If you want to prove that you didn't actually weren't the person who bumped into the garage or weren't the person who did something, whatever the case may be, whatever argument you would have about what happened to the car, you'll always have that evidence on a Navman dash cam. Now, the Alta range does come in a single camera for just the front. It comes in a dual camera model, which is a rear camera plus the front camera, but it also comes in a Workmate edition as well. And that means that the rear camera is a little bit more ruggedized. It's actually something you can actually mount inside the tray of a ute, um, whether that's up high near, near the back window, or if you want to do it down low onto the actual tray itself, it gives you that different options of how you can mount it. And it really means that it's that perfect rear camera for those tradies that are out there as well. So whether you're driving a hatchback SUV or a ute, there is now a dash cam perfectly set up for you. Head to the Navman website, look at the entire range. And as always, as I say, go and check out the footage, go on YouTube, go and have a look at Navman dash cam footage and see for yourself. Let's go with it. Rasim Rasma, Jeff Quattromani, multi-Australian in Sydney. Tech expert, Jeff Quattromani. Jeff Quattromani, thank you very much from Sydney. Jeff Quattromani is here. And now it's time to talk technology with Jeff Quattromani. Jeff Quattromani. Hello everybody, thanks for tuning in. What the heck? Let's talk tech. And good afternoon, good evening, good morning, whenever it is that you are listening to this, welcome. Welcome to Australia's number one technology podcast. I'm your host, and I'll be with you for the next 30 or so minutes, unpacking the world of technology and helping you understand what's going on in the world around us and also the products that I have been looking at so that you can either potentially not look at or maybe you go out and buy for yourself. Now, I am talking to you in the middle of a scam conversation that I'm having with somebody on Facebook Marketplace. Now, I'll quickly tell you this, that uh, I love Facebook Marketplace. I kind of spent a bit of time there. Uh, anyone who follows me on Instagram would know I've been doing some stuff in the garden. Recently got some beautiful sandstone rocks uh, through a Facebook Marketplace listing. And I just love to check what's actually happening on there. Now today, just before coming on here, uh, when I do check Facebook, that's the tab that I check. I don't really pay attention to what friends and family are doing on Facebook. I like to check Marketplace. Now I saw a listing for a zero turn mower. I already have a mower. I don't need one. But because I have looked at them on Marketplace before, Facebook knows how to try and sell me things. And as a result, I'm seeing an ad for a beautiful Kubota zero-turn mower. Now, at $2,000, it sounded like a very, very good deal, especially when it said it was a 2021 model with only 87 hours of use. Sounds like a pretty good deal to me. Something like that probably should have been around the $5,000 mark, if not more. So this man, this old white man, as I can see from his picture, an old white man, named Khalid, K-H-A-L-I-D. That's a strange name for an old white guy, Khalid. I mean, DJ Khalid, 
as is the only Khalid that I know, and he's got a darker complexion. So to see this old man selling a Kubota mower at such a cracking price, I had to reach out. Not that I'm actually interested in buying, but I just had to find out more. Now, Khalid, who looks like he's probably 80 from his profile picture, he only just joined Facebook this month. That's crazy. When I go to his Facebook profile, there is nothing there. He has a profile picture updated as of 13 hours ago, and he's got no photos, no friends, no cover image, never made a post on Facebook, but he is selling this Kubota mower. And I actually see that it's also listed elsewhere. He's got three listings of the same mower um, in Sydney, in Los Angeles, and in San Francisco. So this guy is trying to sell the same mower across two countries. I don't know how he was planning on delivering them to either country or where he even is, but he's selling a cracker of a price on this zero-turn mower. So I'm in the middle of the chat. Uh, he and I have been talking for a few minutes now, and he's quite good. I asked him very quickly, uh, I love the mower. How can I come and inspect it? He said, I'll deliver it to you. I said, that's fantastic. What a cracker deal. You're going to come to me. I don't even have to leave my house. He said, I'll come to you. Where do you live? I gave a suburb, a random suburb, mind you. He said, no worries. He said, I can have it to you today. Now, I'm recording this in the evening. There's not many hours left in the day, but he is very, very proficient in his delivery methods, it seems. He says, if I just give him a deposit of $100 to pay for the delivery, that's, he'll be there. He'll be able to come to bring me the mower. So I was just hoping to look at it. He's going to bring it to my house for a paltry $100, and then that means I can just pay him the balance after he arrives? Khalid, I mean, you're a good man. You're a very kind man. I mean, you're 80. And you've got a DJ's name, but that's okay. So Khalid, I said, how do I give you this $100? How do I pay you this money? He said, PayPal. Have you got PayPal? I said, of course. I love the fact that this older man knows all about this type of technology. He is so gung-ho. He has PayPal ready to go. He's up and ready. He's literally ready to jump in his car, load the Kubota zero-turn mower onto his vehicle and drive it to my house tonight. I just have to pay him the $100 delivery fee. I don't know why that, what that covers because it's him that's going to deliver it, he says. Anyway, he gives me an email address. And I'll scroll back up to tell you his email address because this is all part of the process that this gentleman is, is doing. And his email address is this, legendaryrainy at gmail.com. Legendaryrainy. I don't really know what that means. However, here we go. He's then said to me, PayPal me to this email address. No worries. Happy to do it. I say, I tried. It failed. He says, no, try again. I tried. It failed. He says, send me a screenshot. I go to Google Images. I type in PayPal error. I take that image and I paste it in the chat. He says, is it still making an error now? I said, it's still making an error. Is there another option? He responds, okay, chill. Now, I've never met an 80-year-old man who uses the term chill, but if your name is Khaled, maybe that does happen. I said, I hope you don't sell this mower to anybody else. He's then given me another email address to try. It looks like Filesorum. I can't read that word, but it's a weird email address, outlook.com. Use that, he said. I'm going to reply right now in the chat. Okay, I will try now. And I'm going to also ask him, how will you deliver this? By car? Let's find out. So I'm going to keep this chat going. You know why? because I love to waste a scammer's time. And this is such an easy way to do it. It's just a chat. 
this lot of phone call that's potentially interrupting other calls or people that might be trying to get through to me. This is just him and I having a wasted time chat. And I hope I waste every minute of this man's time because he's a low life, he's scum. And what upsets me the most is that a lot of people out there would have fallen for a scam like this. That story that I've told you can easily be something that people fall for. You see something online, you like it, it sounds like a good deal. You say, I'm interested. They say, don't worry, don't come to me. I'll bring it to you. A hundred bucks. What's a hundred bucks? No worries. I'll pay you the hundred dollar deposit. You take it off Facebook Marketplace. You mark it as sold. A hundred dollars, of course. And then guess what? You would pay the hundred dollars. And do you think that that delivery is coming? Do you think that person is coming? Do you think another message would even come through if they do receive that hundred dollars? Probably not. Would the scammer potentially try and get even more money from you? Probably. So I will waste this human's time as much as possible. And uh, to the point that I hope that he just misses out on scamming one extra person today. And I, I, I share this story because Australians do get scammed a lot. Uh, millions and millions of dollars we get scammed. And, um, and it sucks. It sucks that this happens. And I hope that people like you who are listening to this show are hearing this story. We'll share it with other people. We'll let other people know about scams like this. They exist everywhere. Now, I can tell you one thing. I reported this scam before I even started the conversation. I saw it, knew it was too good to be true. All those, all those signs were there. The profile had just been created. It was listed in two countries, which is impossible for a, for a zero-turn mower. It sounded too good to be true. Um, Khalid is not an old white guy's name. And uh, I reported it in the Facebook process. And all it really told me to do is to block them. That doesn't help anybody else. I can block them. And that means that I'm not falling for the scam, but I'm the one that reported it. Of course, I'm not falling for the scam. Why do I need to block them? What I need is for Facebook to remove the listing and to take Khalid Williams away from Facebook and to block them from signing up to other accounts, block the devices that they're using. There needs to be more done. Now, digress from the rest of the show today. And obviously, welcome. Thank you for joining. I hope that you enjoyed that story. As this chat progresses throughout the show, uh, if he's fast enough, I'll continue to keep you updated. Otherwise, we'll maybe wrap up the story next week on the podcast. But today, I've been sipping on a double espresso, uh, having it from St. Ali. St. Ali is a place in Melbourne. They roast some great coffee beans. Uh, this particular blend is called Wide Awake. Normally, I'd have a wine or a beer or something like that on this show. And if the speed is too much, apparently you can slow down podcast playing or you can speed them up if I'm not speaking fast enough. But it's a double espresso for me as we kick on with the show this week. Now, moving on, we've got a couple of things to talk about. One, I've been watching TV on an 85-inch screen, and I'm going to tell you all about that experience and whether you should be going to buy an 85-inch TV, a 65, 75, or a 40-inch TV. Apple have the WWDC event next week. There's a couple of rumors that are circling. There's a couple of updates that we'll talk about. Charging connections, virtual reality headsets. There's a lot of things that could be announced next week. Obviously, a new version of iOS. There's a lot more to cover. And then we're going to jump into Elon Musk's Neuralink. Do you know what Neuralink is? Do you know that it's potentially coming? Let's talk about what Neuralink is and how we're all going to be plugged into the matrix in some shape or form in the future. Maybe our kids will. Let's get on with the show. Now, I think I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that I did take delivery of a new Samsung QN900C. It's the Neo QLED 8K Smart TV, the 2023 model. 
and it's 85 inches in size. It actually comes in a 65 or a 75 inch model as well. And so I guess I've got one of the biggest TVs that Samsung sells of the highest quality or level that they could possibly provide. Um, their retail price, when I look at their website, is $10,999. It's not a cheap TV, and I'm not going to profess that this is the deal of the century. 85-inch TVs are available at a much lower price. Let's be very honest. And I will say that being an 8K TV, it does make it a more expensive TV as well, because at 85 inches, you can get in a 4K variant, and you will save some money as well. Now, when we had this 8K TV delivered, it was to replace a 75-inch 8K TV from Samsung. So I had a 75-inch 8K from about two, maybe two years ago, and this is now the 85-inch upgrade. The 75-inch has actually moved into my office, and I'm sitting about two meters away from that, and it's very big when you're sitting that close. Uh, but in my living room, I sit probably maybe three to four meters away from the TV. And here's the thing. When they finished unpacking it, connecting it, and I walked back in the room, I can't say that I really noticed that extra 10 inches. I mean, it's there. I can see that it's a bigger TV, but it's incremental. 10 inches in the scheme of things didn't feel like that much. And when you turn the TV on, it's still a big TV. 75 inches was already a big TV. So I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you this. If you're tossing up between a 75-inch TV and an 85-inch TV, I don't really know how the best way to say this. You could get a 75-inch because it's going to be big, or you get the 85-inch because it's going to be big. But one way or another, you're going to get used to it very quickly. Now that we've had this 85-inch TV for a few weeks' time, I don't feel like I've got a big TV. I just feel like I've got a TV. And when I sit down on the couch, I'm, I'm not blown away by, whoa, this thing is so big. I'm just watching TV. And that's crazy. When I do feel like I've got a big TV is when I go back into, say, the bedroom, where the bedroom had, has a 55-inch uh, frame. And yes, that does feel like a small TV, especially if you're looking at subtitles or menus, um, or if you're scrolling through Netflix and you're trying to read titles. An 85-inch TV is probably good for someone who's very vision impaired. Now, Let's go to the new models of Samsung, and I'll, I'll tell you this. The menu system has changed for me. The, the UI on the 2023 models is far better than what we've had in previous years. What I mean by that is that the front screen actually shows you a lot of TV shows and content, whereas in the past, you had to go into an app, browse the content, get out of the app, go into another app, whereas now you've got this universal screen where you're seeing a lot of content as part of the streaming services that you are logged into. And you can just look at content rather than worrying about whether it's on Netflix or Prime or, or Stan or wherever it would sit. Um, I've been able to use the remote as a universal remote for my Foxtel as well, meaning I can just use the one remote. There's been some advantages in that sense. The display at 8K, there is not necessarily a lot of 8K content out there. And we've spoken about this before. But just like the previous model, what I can tell you is that the upscaling technology continues to get better. I don't have a premium Netflix account that provides 4K streaming. Trust me, I'm seeing strands of hair. I'm seeing the wrinkles. I'm seeing everything with a high-definition Netflix account. The upscaling is incredible. Now, at 85 inches, you will notice that when you're watching freeware TV, the quality is not great. Unless you're watching HD channels, if you're just watching the broadcast stuff and you know broadcast can come in HD or standard def, the SD stuff doesn't look great. 
you can see the effort that the TV is making. You can see that it is trying to upscale and make things look better. The State of Origin last night, for example, if I wasn't watching the HD channel, you could tell. Uh, and that was a disadvantage. But when, if you flicked over to HD, things looked, a much, looked much better. When you're watching anything in 4K, it looks brilliant because the upscaling is making the most of all those pixels. So what I'm going to say is this. If you are in the market for a new TV, yes, 85 inches is fantastic. 75 inches is great too, if that's what you can afford. If you're only able to afford a 75-inch TV, don't be too upset you couldn't get the extra 10 inches. Trust me, you'll be happy with the TV you've got because it's certainly big enough. At 65 inches, no one should be getting an 8K TV. At 65 inches, 4K is just fine. If you can afford an 8K TV when you get to that 75-inch level, kudos to you. Go ahead and do it. The upscaling, the way it will actually fill in the gaps with those extra pixels will make sense on a 75-inch TV. I do not believe at a 65-inch, it actually does make sense. So should you buy an $11,000 TV? Probably not. Are you rolling in it and that's what you want to spend on a TV? Go for it. I'm enjoying it. I'm certainly loving this TV. Um, I can tell you that the sound comes out of this TV is actually not bad either. You know, they've got these speakers that you can actually see all from the rear. And the sound is impressive for a TV that is so thin. With that said, soundbars certainly make a big difference as well. And, you know, Samsung have got the, the Q990C Q series soundbar, um, which is that perfect complement to it. And that certainly makes a lot of sense if you can invest the money. Otherwise, I've obviously spoken about brands like Sonos and others, which do make fantastic soundbars that would just elevate the experience as well. So, you know, I, I've, I've been lucky to have tested this for so long, uh, for about three weeks now, without uh, having really spoken about it here. But I will just tell you that if you're in the market for a TV, 85 inches, fantastic. 8K, amazing. Um, but for most people's budgets, 11,000 is a bit outrageous. So you know, that $4,000 mark is probably most people's maximum. And you can probably still get an 85-inch TV with that kind of cash. It just won't be 8K and it likely won't be of the same quality as the Neo QLED from Samsung. You can afford it, go for it and let me know what you think of it. Now, as we are getting closer to WWDC and obviously in September, we always know it's iPhone season. What tends to happen at WWDC, we'll hear about all the latest operating system updates, potentially some new products. And one of the things that we're starting to see circulating as a strong rumor, and these are likely to actually occur, is the next iPhone 15. There's some rumors circulating around that, as there always is. But you would know if you've listened to this show that when we talked about what was happening in the European Union, when they made a clear statement that the iPhone 15, or sorry, all products, I won't just say iPhone 15, all products coming into, e, into the EU needed to be USB-C compatible, meaning that the charging connection on the, on the iPhone would need to change. The iPad has already done that. It's gone USB-C. But the i did I say iPhone? I meant iPad. The iPad has already made the change. The iPhone has not. So we should expect, and it seems like it's true, that by September, the iPhone 15 will be announced and released with a USB-C connection. So if you're somebody out there who has a lightning cable collection, you have a drawer full of them, you have car chargers, you've got one on your bedside table, one at your desk, one at your holiday home. If you upgrade to the iPhone 15, you will need to put all those cables in the bin. Now, what it does mean though, is that any other tech product that you've got probably uses USB-C already, meaning you've probably already got a USB-C charger, whether it's your laptop, your earbuds, your headphones, another tablet, a charger at your desk, 
um, even gadgets. So many gadgets have USB-C as well. So it's good to see that we're going to have this change. Um, very strong rumors and images are coming out that do show that the new iPhone 15 will have USB-C. So get ready for the complaints, get ready for the excitement though, because I think it's a very good thing. So expect USB-C to come out uh, in September. The other thing that we're probably going to hear about at WWDC, and something again that we have spoken about on this show before, is a virtual reality headset. Now, Apple have not got a product in this space at the moment. They have a lot of other products. They tried dabbling in smart speakers. That hasn't been terribly successful, if we're honest. The HomePod has not been a successful product for Apple, um, despite what may sound like a good speaker, has not led to a good voice assistant built into it. Now, if they're going to dabble in virtual reality, there's a couple of things they need to face. One is that the whole category hasn't necessarily taken off at all to begin with. Will it now take off because Apple enters the ring? Maybe, maybe not. The other thing, why hasn't it taken off? And if Apple is really paying attention to the market, as to why VR has not been as successful as some may have hoped it would be, what's going to be their answer to that? Now, there's rumors that it's going to be more of a mixed reality headset, a headset that actually blends the real world with the virtual world. And mixed reality is one that I lean towards compared to, compared to a complete virtual reality experience. And what I mean by that is this. When you put on a VR headset, you can't see anything around you. You can't interact. You can't, you, you, you're completely closed off from the real world and a VR headset can give you that feeling of isolation and I don't like that people could be poking faces at you and you would never know when you're wearing a VR headset but the experiences can be very immersive to the point that you can get sick or to the point that you feel like you're actually in that world so there is an advantage to VR but that is the risk there is it's totally isolating it's not social it's also who do you interact with in virtual reality just you and the virtual world with mixed reality, it starts to blend in what's actually around you and what is virtually displayed in front of you. There was an example I did in Las Vegas with, um, with HTC on the new Vive. And that example was me standing in the room and I could see the room that I was in. I could see the people in the room that were with me. And virtually, however, was an easel. You know those art easels, those wooden triangle things? An easel. And on that was a canvas. It's all virtual. That wasn't actually there, but it was standing right in front of me. On the floor was this beautiful easel. In the distance was a statue, like an art statue. It wasn't actually there. It was virtually there, but it was in the distance. If I walked, I could actually get closer to it. And I could walk because I was, had that mixed reality experience. So I could actually get closer to it or I could walk back to my canvas. And then when I looked at my hands, my actual hands, I saw a paintbrush in my hands. In my other hand was the color palette. I could literally paint on a virtual canvas in what felt like the room I was actually standing in. So when I looked to my left and I could see other people, we all could have been in the same art class. We all could have been in the same experience painting that sculpture on our canvases. That's what mixed reality can do. It can allow you to bring virtual components into a real world experience and that was incredibly engaging it felt incredibly safe social and something that you just kind of went oh this is it this is the part that works is not 
trying to create a virtual room because why do I need a virtual room? Or I'm already in one, but let's create a virtual experience in that room. And that's where it does work. So mixed reality is where Apple is likely to go. And that would be a smart move on their behalf. Now, what will Apple do that actually makes it over and above what Meta or what HTC has already started developing in this space? What I think they will be doing is the same. I think they will be providing the hardware. I think they will then also be providing developers with the biggest incentive to develop for them. If you think about any company out there at the moment, if anyone was to get into mixed reality headsets and needed people to develop applications for it, I guess Apple's the one to do it. Now, if Apple does do this, and they obviously would then need to have a new app store, a different type of app store for mixed reality applications, it really then comes back down to what developers are going to jump at, what kind of experiences are developers going to bring. So the hardware itself may not actually be the groundbreaking piece. The hardware may just be the catalyst for what becomes our next groundbreaking innovation, which is what we experience in that mixed reality world. So I think when we get to WWDC and we start to hear about their announcements and the mixed reality headset potentially, the, the buzz shouldn't necessarily be around the hardware. It should be about what happens with it. And that won't be known for at least potentially 12 months or at least six, because those developers find out about the gadget at WWDC. That means they get to start developing from that day, not beforehand. So that's going to be the interesting play from Apple. They'll have the product, but not necessarily the use case. So we're going to wait and see what happens with that. Obviously, Apple will have some built-in use cases. I don't know what that will be. Um, I don't know what they'll use, do within the existing Apple ecosystem that they would bring to mixed reality. The only idea that I have been thinking that Apple could leverage its existing apps or, or knowledge sets would be fitness. If you think about the Apple fitness um, subscription that you can get at the moment, all the classes you can join and things like that, could I have a virtual workout with my trainer as if they're actually in the room with me, standing in front of me? I'm standing on my mat. They're standing on their mat in front of me, and we're going to do a class together. It's mixed reality, so I can see the room I'm in. I could pick up the dumbbells that are in front of me. I can interact with that. That could be where Apple does as their prototype is not prototype, but first. First use case, mixed reality headset, pair it with your Apple subscription for fitness and bang, you've got a virtual workout happening right in front of you. Maybe. We're going to have to wait and see what happens on that one. But as of next week, we'll, I'm sure that that podcast episode next week will be all about everything announced at WWDC. If you've got any ideas on what you think will be coming, let me know and we'll try and tick them off as we go through the show next week. Now, a quick update with Mr. Lawnmower Man, uh, DJ Khaled. Um, I've told him that I'm going to get my friend to try and make this payment because even after giving me a second email address, it's still not working. He says, okay, do it as soon as possible. He said, get my friend to try it as soon as possible. Urgency. Urgency is the other call out from scams, whether it's an email, an SMS or anything else. If you see urgency and an exclamation mark, that ain't corporate speak. That is scam speak. All right. After this, let's talk about Neuralink. Neuralink from Elon Musk. What is this thing? Now, in 2016, Elon Musk founded a company called Neuralink. Now, Neuralink is an interesting company because you know, they have this ambitious sort of mission to build this um, a brain implant, a brain implant. This is a chip that goes into your brain. 
And it's going to have, they say, 100 times more brain connections than devices currently approved by the US FDA. Now, they've done some incredible stuff. And there's a video from about two or three years ago where you can see a monkey, uh, a monkey or a type of monkey, something from the monkey family that had a Neuralink implanted into its brain. And you watch this video as this monkey is learning through a reward system of how to play computer games. And you watch this monkey do it. And the monkey is using a joystick to make this program work. And then suddenly, well, not suddenly, but throughout the course of the video, they unplug the joystick, physically unplug the joystick. And while the monkey is still maneuvering the joystick, the motions are actually still working on the screen. And that's because they've connected the Neuralink to the game. And the monkey's brain is telling the Neuralink about the motions that it's trying to make. And as a result, those motions are being made. So this monkey is able to play computer games hands-free as a result because he's using his thought to make motion. It's pretty incredible to watch. And I really recommend people go and check out that video of the monkey uh, playing the computer games. Sadly, I think the monkey's now died. Um, I read that the other day. Monkey's dead. But probably one of the first recipients of Neuralink. So you can go down with that. Now, I don't know if I mentioned it a couple of minutes ago, but uh, Neuralink has now received FDA approval to begin human trials. So humans could be signing up for a trial to receive this Neuralink in their head. Now, Neuralink connects to an app on your iPhone um, and will allow you to have new capabilities. Now, you could take this in a number of different ways. However, the vision from Neuralink is that they would actually like to try and enable people to do things like walk again, to create motion back in areas if the signal from your brain to your legs is broken. And that happens through spinal injuries and things like that. So if the signal is broken, could they actually install a Neuralink that will connect your brain to your limbs again to create motion, to allow you to think about walking? And if you're thinking about walking and the Neuralink can actually process that, then could your legs start moving again? Could your arms start moving again, depending on the kind of injury? And that kind of innovation would be groundbreaking. If we could actually see people get up from their wheelchairs as a result of a Neuralink implant, it would be one of the greatest medical devices created in history. It would be. Ask any person who is you know, wheelchair bound, and if they could have this, trust me, I think there's a long queue of people signing up for human trials already. Now, what's interesting here is obviously it's an Elon Musk company. So he's got this street cred or this reputation out in the world, the man behind Tesla, now the man behind Twitter. And there are those who love Tesla, those who will you know, die for Elon. Um, they're the ones who are literally running it. They're saying, me first, me first. I want Neuralink. But obviously, that's not something that um, they should necessarily have if they don't need. And this is where I get concerned. Neuralink has the capability to create an us and them humanity. And when you think about having a chip implanted into your brain that can either help you move limbs or have you think differently, it makes you wonder whether Neuralink could become something that helps you learn a skill. Knowing that I'll have an app on the phone, could I download a package called Japanese? Where I'm going to Japan, so I'm just going to quickly download the language pack from the Neuralink app store and, um, and install that on my brain. So that when I get to Japan, I can speak Japanese. Could it be like we've seen in the Matrix where um, Neo says something along the lines of, I don't know how to play 
or, or fight Taekwondo or something like that. And then suddenly, bang, now you do. And you get the skill installed and you can do it. This is what's going to get interesting is if we get into a world or a society where you can have chips installed into your brain that will give you an advantage, give you the ability to think or know or act in a certain way, those who can't afford it would be left behind. And it does make me worry about what Neuralink can actually achieve. Obviously, I love its application towards the disabled. I love the application towards curing people of impediments and things like that. Um, I think Elon Musk talked about potentially restoring sight, restoring hearing, if there is a neurological reason for that. And that would be absolutely amazing. They're the ones who should have something like this if it can work. What I have said before is that if you expand this capability and you say that actually anyone could have it if you can afford it, then who wouldn't? Who wouldn't want something like this? I mean, I'm, I'm reading books at the moment and it takes time to read a book. But if I was to just take the knowledge of a book and download it and already know everything, as if I have read it and all I've had to do is install it onto my Neuralink, wouldn't that be great? Or what about when I'm learning to drive as a 16-year-old kid? But, geez, it's such a hassle. Wouldn't it be good if I was just that perfect driver? What if I could just download that as a, as a skill set and install that into my brain? I'd be a good driver from the next day. We have to start wondering what these capabilities could be like. But again, we talk about the advantages of even having fresh drinking water, you know, electricity in the house, uh, internet access. Not everyone in the world has internet access. We already have that disparity in this world. What happens when we start putting chips in some people's brains and not in others? And when they go to school, it becomes a very unfair advantage. Or when they go to apply for a job, it becomes a very unfair advantage. Or when they go to compete in sports, it becomes a very unfair advantage. It just makes me think, and I can't wait to find out more about it. I cannot wait to see uh, the human trials or the benefits of this. Obviously, my concern here is that we start to see this applied to those who need it rather than those who just want it for their own advantage. It sounds like the beginning of a bad movie or a movie where there's some sort of superhero and a villain. Um, I'm fascinated by this. I, I, I love the movie Limitless um, and the idea that you could have a pill that would help you absorb information faster and have unlimited um, brain capacity and energy. You know, I love all of that. So what will happen next? I don't know. But it's something we all need to be paying attention to. If you haven't seen the monkey video, go ahead and look up Neuralink Monkey on YouTube and you'll definitely find it. It goes for about three minutes. Um, and to give you another quick update, I told uh, Khalid that the, my friend who I was going to get to transfer the money doesn't trust me and won't, tra won't transfer $100 and whether $50 is acceptable. Khalid has said, why? $50, that too small. And then he said, okay, you can try that first if it will accept. Isn't he nice? He's going to take only 50 bucks now to do the delivery. I like Khalid. I'm going to keep talking to him. And you enjoy the rest of your day. And you stay safe. And you make sure you never fall for scams. If you do bump into Khalid Williams, do say hi for me. I'm certainly wasting his time tonight. Bye-bye.